Hey there, everybody. Welcome to season nine, DJ Breast Cancer. I'm here with a very special returning guest of mine, Casey Head. Casey was diagnosed with an acute lymphoblastic leukemia at the age of 31. She noticed some weakness, fatigue, and some rashes on her body. Casey's cancer came back. She heard the word three times that she had cancer, um, leading to all kinds of chemotherapy and immunotherapy. She was hospitalized for nearly 30 days straight as part of her treatment and also faced treatment while recovering from a stroke. Casey underwent brand new treatments, asking the FDA and Pfizer to get on a new treatment plan that was just approved and also underwent a stem cells transplant from her brother. We last spoke in 2019, that's season three, episode three. I encourage you to check it out. So as most of you know, I'm on a big campaign this year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and I thought it would be amazing to have Casey back on the pod. So Casey is a cancer survivorship coach and founder of the signature program, Happier, Healthier You. But welcome, Casey. So good to have you. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back and and chat with you about something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. And so thank you. Yes, well, I'm excited. We're going to have a little bit of fun and talk about, um, you know, where where you've been the last few years. And then, um, you know, to your point, like a cause that's near and dear to our hearts. I'm more new, you know, to the LLS um, society, but I know you've been active, you know, in, in wanting to help them too. So I, it's just great that we can band together and do more good in this world. I agree. Okay, well, so tell me, Casey, um, let's start maybe a little bit with just, you know, your diagnosis. Um, again, there's a whole episode if people want to take a listen, um, but just maybe briefly go through um, your cancer journey and and what that was like for you. Yeah, so I'll give the, the brief summary of what <laughs> happened. Um, at the age of 31 in 2014, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, I was immediately hospitalized, as Tina mentioned, and uh, four months into treatment, had a stroke, uh, had not received remission yet. So I still was recovering from a stroke that left my me temporarily paralyzed on my left side while still undergoing chemotherapy as well. Um, and then my treatment protocol was approximately 18 months long, full of lots of chemotherapy. And when I finished treatment, seven weeks later, I relapsed the first time. And at this point they had, they said the chemotherapy was not working and that my body had become resistant to it. So we tried an immunotherapy that unfortunately failed. And then at that point, um, I was supposed to go on a clinical trial, did all the things for the clinical trial, and it got shut down, unfortunately. And then I didn't have options. <laughs> so they basically sent me home after 68 days in the hospital um, to settle affairs, quote unquote, and basically being kept alive with blood and platelets. So the my team had, ironically enough, just gotten done with the uh, Leukemia and uh, Lymphoma Society, the conference that they have for the doctors. And they were like, do you want to try this? And it was a two-page piece of research with 114 participants for an immunotherapy. And so I was like, I don't think I have an option, um, but worst case, like if it helps somebody else, great. And if it doesn't work, we just keep keep me alive, like long enough to find something that does. So, uh, we 
wrote a letter of compassion to the FDA and Pfizer. It was approved four rounds of that immunotherapy. Um, and then I went to a stem cell transplant. My brother's my donor six months after transplant. When I thought I was fine, they caught my uh, reoccurrence so early. I wasn't feeling anything. And instead of doing another stem cell transplant, we ended up doing uh, four more rounds of that immunotherapy and basically fingers crossed that I was going to make it. And since then I've been in remission. So that's the short, long story. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I mean, I listened to your podcast while I was running this weekend and it just, the amount of chemo that you went through, it just really boggles my mind, you know? So not only the amount of types and times and things, but just the length and duration, you know, that you did like, and then the stroke on top of that too. So it's just all that you were facing and and you're such a positive, like amazing human being. So just kudos to you for just like putting one foot in front of the other and like, just keep going, you know? And so like, you just truly are this example of resiliency. And, and I just encourage others, you know, to, to listen to your story and to know that there is hope, you know, and there's always hope. And, you know, even when you were at the very end of hope, you know, there, you still found hope. And, and I I think that that's the beautiful thing with cancer is that there's, there's always advancements happening every single day. And so we just have to keep pushing the narrative forward, you know, for, for more research and more change. 100%. And it's, you know, that mindset when there weren't options for me was just, okay, so you're telling me I have to stay alive long enough on the hope and chance that something's going to be available or some clinical trial is going to start again or something. And that's what I really just death gripped was just, okay, I need to stay alive long enough for. And so that really was my hope was, okay, as long as I do participate in this, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to give myself the best shot to. Yeah. And then I know you always celebrate like your rebirth day. Are you still celebrating your rebirth days? Oh, yes. I (laughs) I celebrate it every year. And, you know, it's always an acknowledgement of the gratefulness that and knowing that sometimes, you know, aging is a privilege and a right that not everyone gets. And, you know, I've really made it my mission, I think, especially in the last, since COVID basically, to live my life in honor of those that couldn't because anyone would, would rather be where I'm at than, than not. So it's really about just taking every opportunity I can say yes to and, and running with it. (laughs) I love that. I, I'm calling this year, the year of yes. And, you know, things for good reason, right. You know, so, you know, Hey, do you want to help support LLS in this big way? Yes. (laughs) You know, do you want to go on this trip? Yes. You know, like it is just kind of this year of yes. Um, I feel like after COVID, you know, our eyes are open to a lot more different, you know, things and experiences. And, and we, we are grateful for each and every day and, and new opportunity. Um, so, so let's maybe talk a little bit about what you've been up to since, 
the last time we talked, um, you know, everything kind of shut down not that long after we talked. So I think it was in 2019 we had our conversation. I know you were planning a trip to Spain um, at that point in time. So maybe just in the last few years, um, what's new with you and what have you been up to? Yeah, so we went to Spain <laughs> and then shortly <laughs> thereafter, uh, the world shut down basically. And, you know, my husband and I prior to that sold our house in Chicago and we're like, let's go find out where we want to live and go on this big, great adventure. Well, <laughs> our great adventure got shut down by COVID. So we ended up hunkering down in California and then we ended up after uh, in 2021, we ended up moving back to Chicago. And then we moved in 2022 back to California. So I'm back in California and just embracing this lifestyle. Like I've learned how to surf. I've learned how to... Um, yeah, like it's I, I the ocean still terrifies me, but I'm learning how to surf. I'm doing very California things and very excited about the adventures to come as the world opens up more and more. Um, my my business is growing and I've helped over now at this point 150 women, which I'm that's my biggest accomplishment, to be honest, was just my ability to help women when they need it most, because I know what it's like being there. And I just, the amount of suffering that is out there is so not necessary if we are given the right resources. I love that. And I know when we talked last too, you know, we talked a little bit about mental health, um, but I really just do believe as you go through cancer, just the importance of the whole person, you know, so you know, whatever spiritually you believe, you know, and then also, you know, mental health, the physical health, you know, and then, you know, emotional health, like all of that really plays into a, a person going through cancer and then beyond. Um, so I, I do feel having some kind of physical regimen is like so important. I know you really believe in strength training. We talked about that. Yoga was your other big one. I love that you're branching out and doing surfing. That's so amazing. Um, so maybe tell me a little bit about what this exercise program that you're doing and, and how, how are you reaching um, people going through cancer and beyond? Yeah. So I, uh, because so many women are thrust into menopause as a result of treatment, myself included, I'm post at 35. The only thing I knew about it at that time was uh, <laughs> hot flashes and weight gain. <laughs> So I was like, if I'm 35 and I live like, you know, I was really like, okay, if I live another 40 years, like fantasizing, I'm like, and I gain one pound a year. I'm like, that's a problem because prevent part of prevention is maintaining a healthy weight. And I was like, well, these are two very conflicting ideas. So I was like, and number two, I, I really wanted to solve the hot flashes because they were so uncomfortable. Um, so I dove into like what as far as exercise needs to be done. Well, obviously because of the chemotherapy and radiation that I went through and most women do, um, the bone loss is affected. Um, osteoarthritis and osteoporosis are a real thing. Then you're thrust into menopause, you're ding number two. And then as you age, you lose bone density anyways. So if we're losing all of this bone density, there's gotta be a way to prevent it. So I really, uh, focus on building strength, whether it's through your own body or with weights and 
really structured out a program that helps support a woman who has gone through treatment, has a lot of body changes to build back physical strength to prevent a lot more damage that could potentially be done in the future. And as a byproduct of that, they maintain a healthy weight and are, are creating uh, for themselves disease prevention. Oh, I love that. And I probably need to get on this program since <laughs> I'm on this medication, letrozole, which is, you know, definitely harmful to, to bones and to that. And I've, you know, been doing bone density scans, you know, and, and definitely seeing like I'm osteopenic, um, you know, with, you know, approaching osteoporosis, which, you know, it, it's, it's just like a scary thing, you know, and I try to remain active and do yoga and running and different uh, things. And I've been doing lifting trying to incorporate more weights, you know, into my schedule as well, but I probably could use someone like you to help guide me on the strength training. So um, I know before we started even recording here, we were talking so much about the overlap of, of breast cancer and leukemia lymphoma and how, you know, so many of the treatments often lead to breast cancer or, or vice versa. Um, you know, but there just is a lot of Yes, I, I understand there's very different nuances with all cancers, but I think it is amazing how we can learn from each other, we can help each other, we can be this, you know, community that helps um, as well. And so speaking of that, um, LLS, you know, does do so many amazing things. You even spoke of like how, you know, they were part of the conference that led to the research of the treatment that ended up being like that great breakthrough for you. Um, so I know like part of part of the pillar of the person that I'm working with this year is is research. And so would just like to know from from your point of view, like why is research so important or why is funding research, you know, particularly for leukemia and lymphoma, how how has that made such an impact on your life? I mean, it saved my life, quite frankly, um, to put it very simply, without um the timing couldn't have been more appropriate for me. You know, I didn't have options. The, the, the clinical trial that I was supposed to go on was shut down. There was one other clinical trial, um, going on and they were like, we can't get you on. There's a waiting list and there's no line skipping in this. So I was like, literally like, we don't have anything. Like I kind of like for a moment freaked out. So time passed and they kind of just were keeping me alive and they finally were like, well, we might have something. Well, the woman who the doctor, her name is Dr. Frankfurt, who started this uh, research for the immunotherapy is called isotunumab and it was not for my cancer. It was for a different leukemia. And she presented it and she was like, do you want to try it? We don't know. We don't know if it's going to work. We don't know anything, but are you willing? And literally two pages of research, 11 people in the partic participant study had what I had and the outcomes were not great. I don't remember specifically, but I just remember going, that's not brave. <laughs> <laughs> and so without this piece of research, without them pushing for me to try it, and I obviously donated all of, um, my medical, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, medical information back to the study to then get it approved by the FDA as a whole, which it is now um, for treatment of leukemia. Um, I wouldn't be here. And it was really the advocacy for 
my doctor and being at this conference and this conference going, well, what if we tried it for other things and we opened up? Well, maybe we're just thinking too small in this box. Hmm. And it's really without the research and the doctors to be able to do that, we wouldn't have these amazing immunotherapies that are coming out and these new ways to um, these new clinical trials to even give people an opportunity to extend life even longer. Yeah. I mean, I know that immunotherapy has come so far, like e even from the time, like you and I, you know, were going through our cancers, you know, about, about, you know, a decade ago, it's amazing. Like just what the research, you know, has done. And, um, like I'm the recipient of just kind of the tried and true, you know, protocol for breast cancer, which was, you know, stick this red devil at people and, and, you know, it, it tends to kill a whole lot, but you know, it, it, you get through it. Um, and it, and it's very effective still, I'm not saying it's not, but like, it's amazing to, you know, listening back to your podcast, the immunotherapies that you're on and the less side effects they had and just the, they're they were so much powerful, you know, with, without packing such a big punch and like destroying everything in its path, like, you know, the, some of the traditional um, chemotherapies do. So I just, you know, kudos to you and to your doctors and to the researchers and people who are like eyes and ears open, you know, to try to find this. So it's just such a, such a good story amongst, you know, many sad stories within cancer. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, granted, some do have some gnarly side effects, but I, I was lucky in the, in regards to, I, I, I don't, I didn't. And I, I still don't to this day, like nothing has popped up since. And so if this is the path for medicine, like we need to go full force in researching if we can target this well and have the outcomes more of, of, of less residual side effects in the long run, it gives everyone a better quality of life. Yes. You're not destroying healthy cells. It gives the outcomes can be drastically changed as a result. Yes. I love that. So thank you so much for sharing like all of that. Um, I, I just, you know, can't stress enough, like the importance of research and in trying things and, you know, allowing them to have, you know, more creativity and to, to your point, like, maybe it's widening the scope or lessening the scope, you know, but to, you know, I, I know of some researchers too, that are like just really narrowing in on certain things. And so it's just, you know, whether you're doing that or applying it to, to more kinds of cancers, because there, it is amazing sometimes. Like I know there's been some breast cancer drugs that came from like prostate cancer and vice versa. So like, they're often not, you know, just as narrow as like you think, like they can often be applied for so many different kinds and and they learn along the way. Um, so it, it is such a beautiful thing. Um, I do want to share with the listeners because um, obviously I know the side of, or the the symptoms, I guess you would say for breast cancer, there's there's quite a, quite a few different things. Obviously there's pain, there's like lumps, you know, there's, you know, many different signs, um, you know, the, the lymph nodes underneath the armpits, but would like to share with people, um, you know, not that we are clinical, you know, doctors or anything, but just what were some of the side effects or things that you noticed a change in your body that then made you go to the doctor or made you be aware, um, which, which ultimately led to your diagnosis, but what were some of the, the symptoms that you had um, that you want to maybe share with others to be, you know, just, just in tune with their body and know? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a blood cancer, so it's not 
often presented as um as like in regards to like a tumor it's not presented like outside of the body or something you can feel with the touch um so i had extreme fatigue um where i was taking naps during the day which is really not me um i started having some ocular issues where i would like not double vision but there would be a light and they're called fissures um i started having petechiae which is like a cluster of red dots um on my skin um i started to bruise even just touching like a desk i would have a giant bruise on my skin those are pretty uh much the vast majority of what I was experiencing. Um, I started to turn jaundice at, at the end, towards the end, like the last week, because it is acute what I had. Um, so my color, the color coloration of my skin started to change. And then I started to get some really, um, bad migraines and well, what I would have called migraines then I think it was actually cancer, <laughs> but uh, you don't know when you don't know. And so, and then, um, I had a couple of lumps on my neck that wouldn't go away. And I think it was just, it, 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 it exacerbated. And I waited too long. Like I waited, I think two months before I went to the doctor even the first time. Yeah. But I mean, I I'm sure too, like, sometimes you just think you're sick or, you know, you, I know you had gone into and like had gotten antibiotics and they did like a round of that just to see if like, you know, that would make your, you know, swelling go down and like your lymph nodes. But I mean, it's, it's just hard. And like sometimes too, just the things you tell yourself, you know, you're busy, you're working your job, you're doing all your life things, you know, but I, I do think it is really important, you know, and especially going through COVID where people put kind of their own health on pause I just really encourage people to get whatever annual screenings are for you, you know, whatever listening to your body means, you know, for you, I just think it is really important, you know, to, to take a second, you know, work can wait, you know, family, kids, you know, all of that stuff, whatever you've got going on, just, just make sure that you take the time, you know, to listen to your body. Right. Like I did attribute it to stress and it was the holidays. So I attributed it to that and working too much. And I, you know, you do tell yourself, you rationalize everything yes. mm-hmm. because it's not you. I was like, I'm anemic probably <laughs> <laughs> like, because you don't want to think or even go to worst case scenario. Yeah. And now you're like, I was crazy to say that, but like it is, oh. it's funny. Like, I remember like my breast had actually like sunken in, like the center had mm-hmm. sunken in. And I was like, oh, this is like old age. I was like, I'm 37. You know what I mean? Like now it's so ridiculous. Like when you think of like what your head was thinking, but like you do, you just rationalize the crazy, you know? And then, but, um, and, and then it took actually someone else at work having like a health scare for me to like take my own health seriously and be like, okay, this has happened for like two months now. And like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. So we're going to go get an opinion, you know? So someone that matters not you know this crazy person up in this head (laughs) because it is true like you you rationalize like you said like you just are like oh no it's fine it's old age it's all these things (laughs) anemic you know (laughs) whatever right so so yeah so I just you know I do want to encourage people because I do think you know during COVID you know we we couldn't go out we had reasons to stay home obviously but like now is the time now is the year of saying yes you know, to all of your annual screenings, mammograms, um, you know, whatever your doctor is, you know, saying that you need, you know, based on your age and, and your risk factors. 
Um, so just want to put that out there and make sure everyone is is keeping aware of that. I would agree. It's if you did not go to the doctor at all during COVID, you need to get your mammogram, do all the general GP gynecological visits, get them in because it's, it is really actually important just to know, confirm your health, if anything. I know. I know. I went to the dentist today and they were like, I just felt like the little, you know, health history thing. And they're like, who's your primary doctor? When's the last time you've been there? And I'm like, oh, it has been a long time. I'm like, I do need to go see this person. Um, You know, I do like the health screenings every year for like my work. I have to do it. And then I see my oncologist like all the time. So like, I'm, I guess I'm under care, but I'm like, I do need to like do this. So yes, mm-hmm. it's a good reminder. And I'm going to listen to myself. <laughs> so um, Casey, is there anything, um, other than like that, like with exercise that you want to share with the listeners today too, like, are there any exercises that you found very helpful in your recovery or like a certain, you know, program that has worked for you? I mean, I genuinely followed my own program, but obviously, um, there are some general guidelines. Do not, um, just focus on one thing, you know, uh, part of my program is absolutely it's incorporated with yoga. We need to have that mind body connection. It's one of the ways I stopped thinking like everything was cancer (laughs) because there's so much disconnection from treatments. You know, I remember oftentimes going, I don't know, just do what you need to do. Like that's not a normal statement to say. Um, So definitely incorporating yoga, incorporating strength training, and don't forget about cardiovascular health because chemotherapy and radiation impact our lung and our lung capacity and our heart. So they are, everything is important and it's just having a strategic plan on how to, um, utilize what you need to do to maintain a healthy weight. And I say maintain a healthy weight, but it's really about uh, body mass index. So it's fat to muscle ratio. So the last fat that our bodies carry, the better chances we have of preventing a reoccurrence. Yeah, I think that's very important. So thank you for sharing that. I think that that's awesome. Um, starting with my cancer journey, I used to hate yoga. Like I hated it. And I've been pretty vocal on, on the podcast with different people too about how much I used to hate it. But then when I had my cancer diagnosis in 2013 and I really slowed down, I, I was always just like an endorphin junkie. Like, let me go run, you know, six miles and, and I'll be happy. But um, it really was like this balance, you know, like it's that letting go. And and I really know I really noticed I needed more of that in my life than like, yes, you can go all the time, but it's that releasing and that's that letting go and it's that freedom and it's all the like balance that I probably wasn't getting in workouts. And so I still do this gentle yoga DVD probably like once a week. And it just really like centers me and I just find it really like calming. So I really encourage people like I just think yoga is part um, of your of your fitness program is so important. Oh, I would agree. Um, And I was not a yogi before cancer. I tried it. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, I, I literally was like, But then I was sick for so long and I just, I was like, I need to be able to do something other than just walking. And so it was the only other thing that I could do where I wouldn't, wasn't hurting myself that was fitness related other than walking. And I, that was when it was like 
after my stroke and I had regained a lot of uh, movement, I was like, I need to strengthen one side. Well, how do you do that when you can't actually exercise and yoga? It's like all body weight. So I'm like, and you're literally doing one side and then another, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. The lights started going off. And I was like, this is what I need. And the more I did it, the more I was like, Oh, this is what I need. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can so relate to that. So that's amazing. I mean, and what an amazing way to help you through your stroke too. I mean, again, when I was listening to your podcast, like all that was thrown at you and you just kept rising to the challenge. Um, So I just, you know, kudos to you, like in how far you've come and continue to come. Like that's, it's just such an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. I appreciate that. So as you probably know, I ask everybody for a Tina tip. I'm sure you gave one in season three, episode three, but um, would like to know where you're at at this moment in time. Uh, what advice would you give to the listeners out there? Ooh, I don't remember what I gave, to be honest. And, that, I didn't, and that's okay. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back and re uh, say anything that I had said originally. So this will be a different one, probably. Um, it's never too late to change and it's never too late to start and imperfect action is oftentimes what we need. Oh, I love that. That's so good. It's too late to start. Um, and so I know there was a time when it was hard for you to actually kind of take action and hard for you to start again, hard for you to make plans and to dream, you know? And so I I think when we last talked, you know, you were afraid to kind of book a vacation or afraid to think too far out. And so I think that's really like, it almost gives me the chills, like of how far you've come even in that time. So do you have any big trips or, or things planned for the future? I do. So like, um, you know, this is, I just had seven doctor's appointments at the beginning of the month and I hadn't, I'm not, I haven't been fearful in a very long time. I've done a lot of work to get there. And this last time, like I had seven appointments. They did not go smoothly. They had a lot of uh, rescheduling things went wrong uh, that were out of my control. And I literally no anxiety and no fear. And I was like, this is very different. I think I've crossed the line. (laughs) And, um, you know, I plan for not only like future vacations, but like future, future, like retirement. And I'm like, I don't think I would have been able to do that when we first spoke. And so we do have, uh, my husband and I have a trip planned to Greece this year. We not officially booked, but it's, we are supposed to sit down and book it. So (laughs) (laughs) we have a plan to make a plan. (laughs) Good. That is so exciting. I love that. Okay. So, so Greece, love that. And I love the R word, the retirement word. I yeah. too used to be afraid after cancer to talk about it. And and now I don't know, I, I've been like dreaming more of how to get there and, you know, in, in the path that leads me there. I just recently at work did this like 10 year, like the, a lady like presented this 10 year vision workshop. And I was oh, like, wow. wow, like I'll be 57. Like what do I want coming out of this like 57 year old, you know, person. And so it really got me thinking, I have not sat down yet to, to do that, but it is on my list, you know, to do, I just, whereas I feel like, uh, I don't know, maybe even five years ago, that would have felt like really, I don't know, 
too gray or too dangerous or, or too, I don't want to jinx myself, like all the things. Right. And now I feel like I'm finally at a, a space and a place where like, again, I'm not saying everything's going to go smoothly in those 10 years. We don't know what will happen in 10 years, but I also want to live with like intention and purpose and putting my mind and my energy and, and time, you know, to the things that really serve, you know, what, what I want, you know, out of life. So that's, that's, that's on my docket too. I love that. And you're, you are close to retirement, if not retired. I know. I know. Like, I mean, you know, by that point in time, I would hope that like, I'm, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I have to decide what I want to do, but um, that's, that's the best part though, is like, you get to think about it. Whereas like before you couldn't even imagine that possibility of, of it happening. Like that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the beauty and the beauty of survivorship, right? Like it's not all sunshine and roses, but there is a point you, you never not fear, I guess is, is, you know, my, my, my bottom line, but you do have hope, you know, for the future. And um, I, I think it, it begins to outweigh, you know, the fear. And then you want to just, you know, make sure you have meaning and purpose and, and do the things that you want to do. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. The me having purpose can drive a lot of hope and keep you going for a, a very long time. Well, you are such an example of hope and resiliency and all things. So thank you, Casey, for coming on the show. Is there any contact information people want to know about your program and what they can do to sign up? Uh, what, how can they best reach you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at the happier hustle and you can, I have a website, thehappierhustle.com, and you can always reach out to me. My first name is Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at thehappierhustle.com. Um, if you're curious and yeah, that's, those are the best ways to reach me. <laughs> Well, thank you, Casey. It's been so good following up. And again, like if I'll put the link um, for LLS, if people want to donate or do more for research, we would love to have you, you know, as part of this campaign. And I'll put the link um, to um, Casey's website as well. So if you want to get fit with Casey, you can do that as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tina. It was so, it was really great to catch up and I appreciate you having me back. Oh, thank you. So good. Okay. Well, thank you everyone. Have an amazing day.